at some point live during the birthday month from a basement in an undisclosed location in Chicagoland area. Hard Talk Podcast. First of all, happy birthday, y'all. Thank you. Happy birthday. I don't. Th- it's not your birthday right now, but I think we're scheduled to drop this on Tuesday, January 10th, which is your 45th birthday. That is uh, correct. I've, um, you know, every time you know, when it comes, usually within like a month of my birthday, I usually enter the house very slowly, looking around the corner and just seeing, like trying to catch the surprise because I assume there's a surprise party coming somewhere. So um, has yeah. that ever happened? Anyone ever throw a surprise party? Never for you? once. Never, never <laughs> once. Never has. Oh, actually once I did actually a little bit. Yeah. My, my 40th. I had a, a, a little get together at the uh, Glatz's house. So we had a little surprise party there. Okay. So in a basement. In, in what basement? In Andrew's basement. Great. Uh, sorry, like I wasn't this, able to make it. Just like this podcast. Sadly, basement. I was not invited for some reason. Um, Josh is not with us right now. He has gone to retrieve our guest. So it's the two of us. So it's just the two of us. And bro. we can we can discuss about Josh. Okay, fine. We might as well get into it. One of my favorite things about this podcast is picking the songs that will start and end the podcast. Obviously, a '90s theme because you guys grew up in like the early '90s. And um, I chose Oasis this time as internally we are full of strife like the Gallagher brothers. And Josh, who's back here, can talk about this, but I don't even know how to explain it. The amount of text and voice messages that Josh sent about whether our guest was going to come at 935, 940, 915, 950, it's endless and extremely annoying. Okay, first of all, my defense, I just think it's normal to know what time a guest is coming. I put on the chat, the guest is coming at 935, and all of a sudden I get a voicemail saying, enough, we don't care when the guest is coming. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, when no. he gets here, he gets there. There were a good 15 messages before we got annoyed. Well, let me ask you this. What were you doing until now? Were you, like, when was, like, right now, let's say it's 930. So at what time is your last activity that you were actually involved in doing It's something? not about me being involved. It's about the fact that I think everyone needs to know the schedule of the day so that we're prepared for when the guest comes. Wait a second, I'm actually curious. Like, what was the last thing you did this evening? The last yeah. thing I did was um, dinner. Dinner. Like four and hours I, ago? Yeah. And then I had uh, a meeting at eight. Oh, so you, okay. Yeah. And so then you had a meeting. I had a meeting. Fair. And then what type uh, of meeting? <clears throat> meeting with uh, different people from the city. Like un- for non for profit or for work? people that are here to collect uh, to. Uh, Is it Thursday? Charitable contributions. It's Thursday. Oh, Thursday at eight o'clock? Yeah. Yes. It's, gi- it's giving. I won't even say it's, it's giving it's, hour. It's, it's giving, giving half hour. It's giving half <laughs> hour. <laughs> Only from eight to eight thirty, right? Correct. Correct. So if someone, you know, came, you know, no clothes, no food, no shoes on their feet on Sunday, you would not open your house to them or um, help them in any way. I wouldn't say that. I would say. Well, know, even more than that, let's say they couldn't read the sign, which is in Hebrew next to the door and like they don't know when to come back like they just think like they don't open the door see this is what i mean guys I, this is it's a, it's a constant bullying session i i, I literally, put, sure. I literally put one thing on the chat about a schedule and i got attacked who cares about a schedule yeah i mean i had nothing going on for i don't know four hours okay i've been extremely busy tonight and the pressure from josh was just palpable <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. I, I apologize for exerting the one voicemail I sent about a time. I know that, and, and I know by that the can way, be very stressful. It didn't stop with tonight. You know, while you were stressing us about tonight, you were free, you've been freaking out about whether we're recording a guest Sunday night or not. Well, I feel like we've had a few ICJ heavy guests and material on the on the pod, so I think we should clarify that it's not a specific ICJ related pod. It's we're kind of going as we you know. Figuring out as we go, but there will be other topics discussed. And related to that, just want to point out to the listeners that we now have a new Gmail account, hardtalkchicago at gmail.com. A lot of people have had questions after some of the interviews or some of the discussions. Also, we're looking for feedback. Uh, we want to keep people happy, keep people entertained. And so feel free to reach out, send us an email, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like. Happy to hear any type of constructive criticism. Would you say your questions have been in the hundreds or, or just thousands? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's say again. hundreds or just thousands. Yeah, I know. Does that make sense from, from the math guy? <laughs> well, Josh, is, has there any has anyone reached out um, in a way that has been bothersome to you? I think it's you know like like if somebody says um, I listened and just kind of leaves it at that. 
it's like, okay, you listen and like, we'll take constructive criticism. We'll take negative feedback. Um, we just want honesty, but I think it's, it's good to get some type of feedback from listeners. Will you clarify if you get negative feedback, are they now on your enemy list? Would you? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, and also want to clarify to the audience that going forward, we will, when we're dropping new episodes, probably going to be on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing our best to kind of notify people via broadcast list, which is a function of WhatsApp that I was previously unaware of. All right. Let, let's, let's make something clear. Status updates is amateur hour. Can we, can we agree on that? Yeah. None of that going forward. That's last year's news. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think maybe we'll even drop teasers on the broadcast list. So hit the subscribe button so that you don't have to swipe up, swipe up, swipe left, swipe right, <laughs> I think. We, we like people that subscribe. Okay, subscribe. Well, tonight we are very honored to have a very special guest that's joining us. Here he comes. Look at that strut. Strutting to the studio. Is it a mystery guest? Is that what we have right now? Tonight we are welcoming on a very special guest. We have... Danny Alchel joining us. Josh, you know Danny for longer than I. Why don't you go ahead and maybe a little bit of a bio. I mean, I don't know Danny that well. <laughs> Yoel. Yoel. Well, I can go. I can go. Yo, let, let y'all do it. Yoel yo is an expert in, in He's all. He's going to go back anything, to fifth grade. Yes. Fifth grade. I'm actually an expert in uh, the Ida Crown class of uh, 1990. I've studied I, uh, that yearbook multiple times, plus not only the 1990 yearbook, but the, even the years before. 89, 88, as I was, uh, I grew up behind the alley of the Saltzmans, and they were five boys. All five boys attended Ida Crown Jewish Academy. So, you know, I knew the classes over the years. Uh, and obviously, as a, uh, as a young hoopster, I followed once I was introduced to the, the Ida Crown that they had a basketball team and all that. So I was a, a fan of the Ida Crown Jewish Academy, and I, I knew the classes, and I knew the years, and, uh, you know, Danny was the uh, the superstar of the uh, class of 1990, played multiple years. Uh, I've even witnessed, uh, you know, I've been there as like a seventh grader just watching their practice on a Sunday. We don't have to go into that right now, and what I was doing there, <laughs> just watching practice, but, uh, you know, I've seen them uh, practice, and him and his Yo, class... Yo, you want to talk about Danny a little bit? <laughs> no, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Like, trying to introduce the guy. He's sitting here that. so awkwardly. So anyway, so but, 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 but Danny was, he was the superstar on the team, and, uh, you know, there was a couple other players there. I'm sure, you know, Danny can get into it, but, uh, you know, every team has a floor leader, and, and that was Danny of that team, and he was like a second coach out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, he can, wasn't really from the neighborhood. Can, and can so I say one more thing? No they, more, no more Yoel introductions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. That, pulling, it. pulling it back to the host. Danny Alchol was the class of 1990 crown. He was a basketball star. He is a, a legend, a basketball legend. Legend. He's a CPA and a very successful accountant. He's a well-respected member of the community and also the Lubavitch community. Is that right? Yes, I, I begin my speaking by saying yes. That I mean, I, I hope, humbly, hopefully, I'm saying yes. Okay, and he is a softball legend, a yes. multiple-time Ortora League softball champion, Danny Alchel. Let me just jump in here and say that tonight is my father's 10th York site, so I feel like I'm listening to my own um, eulogies here, even though it's my father's 10th York site here. So uh, I guess where to begin? So, I mean, as far as Yell's commentary goes, you know, let's start off. You talked about the class of 90 and the aces. You know, yes, I was the floor leader. I don't think anybody would question that. As far as other people participating on the team, unlike a lot of aces teams throughout the years where there was a one-person-centric team, okay, you could talk about the Yigal years, you could talk about the Jason Gorenstein years, on and on. This was... What about what about the Yoel years? No such thing. Well, I want, we, we'll get there. I, I, I'm happy to talk about the Yoel years as well, but... Um, we don't we want to talk are, about that. Well, <laughs> somehow we always end up there. Okay. No, but let me just finish. So with my team, a class of 90, it was a lot of guys getting involved. First and foremost, Sammy Serrett, who I still have a relationship with, I have a relationship with all the guys. He was a force. We, I think I scored over 500 points in year. He scored over 400 points. I don't know how many other Aces teams had that phenomenon. Guys from the neighborhood that you would appreciate Renan well, who I know you guys sure. probably know well. Council. Okay, so he, he was a great ball handler. He came over from the Yeshiva among some controversy with the transfer. He said, had to sit out a year. Okay, David Kushner, his friend of mine, still great ball handler. Of course, other guys, Norman Wax, my good friend, Orendowski. These guys all were very participatory on the team. And um, I think that when I look back at it, I'm proud of that sort of uh, uniqueness where it wasn't just, you know, 
and I'm not taking anything away from the guys. I, I don't think I could have done what Yigal did, couldn't do what Jason did. So it's not necessarily a comparison, but the point is that I'm happy that I was able to share in, it in this kind of a team success. Okay, Danny, I want to go a little back further. So where are you from originally? Jordan, this is like a, a deposition here where you, <laughs> you start out and you ask the casual questions to get the guy comfortable, get him talking. Oh, yeah. And I'm happy I'm not giving a deposition. I'm happy I'm here with Sikhas Kaveirim and talking, you know, cashier like this. Um, I am from piggybacking off of your first show. I'm from not far from Jack's Restaurant, so right there off of Tui and uh, in Laramie, I grew up there in Skokie, not the traditional Devonshire, Timber Ridge area, but over there. The Bruckenstein Skokie. Well, the Bruckensteins came in the later. late 80s. I was very close with Robert Bruckenstein. I just saw him at the Hello Tar class reunion about six weeks ago. So um, I was a Ben Bias there and also Ben Bias by Rabbi Dove Schwartz and his wife for many years on Shabbos. And those are very instrumental families and, and people in my life. So I grew up in Skokie, away from maybe the core friends and stuff, but went to Hello Tara, class of 86. And then I did the reverse commute that you guys were talking about earlier with the TUI bus coming to TUI and Laramie. I took the TUI bus going to the academy to TUI in California for my high school years. And sometimes I'd buy the transfer, but more uh, excitedly, I would stand on the corner there on TUI in California and see who's driving to the academy going south in California and try to get a ride with those people. Very nice. That's great. Um, and then did you go to Mosheva with others? You know, I... I I did. I was not a camper. I, I did not go to overnight camp. What did you do during your summers, Daddy? You know what? I um to this day, it's it's one of the. I have a couple things. If I had to do over again, I would do over again. One of them is probably to have been more of a uh, summer activity person, whether it be overnight camp stuff like that. I play little league baseball, but it was not. Uh, looking back on it, it was it was not productive uh, when I compared to my friends that did other things. Okay. Well, what I was trying to get at is maybe a couple years later, yeah. you're well known for. Yeah, so, certain work that you did. Yeah, so Jordan, that's a great call. I, I hold that uh, you know we're taught to suppress our ego and our arrogance and, and our and from our mentors and our advisors. But when it comes to vending stories, I hold that it's that that's not true. You could talk as much as you want and how great you were as a vendor. <laughs> and uh, from August of 1989 until September of 1994, I vented at all the events: Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs, Sox, Bears. Soccer, etc., and I want to just let Mike mention World my, Cup. Were you uh, absolutely? I was at the World Cup. So you I saw the, like the Jordan first three championships. I was. I walked in the building with Jordan many times. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, I had him autograph a once a TV guide cover. He was on the cover with Bo Jackson. Where'd you get this? I think. Oh, got it in the picture there. <laughs> wow. So, um, but I just want to say that my brother was instrumental in a lot of things that um, that I did. He was the vendor before me. Okay, so he was able to get me. A little, what's it called? The little protexia into. So you got beer early. At a well, I couldn't get beer early. Twenty one. Twenty one. But no. But other things. I sold souvenirs. For example, the Magic Michael nineteen ninety one NBA Finals. You know, to get souvenirs there, that was pretty. You know, it was better than selling uh, um, licorice ropes. You know, so <laughs> that that was uh, a great experience with the, with the vending. And there's numerous stories. So many of the Chevro were vendors back then, and maybe it still is now, but back and then before there was me doing all this stuff, I know that I'm older than you guys, but I know there was uh, a lot of people even before my generation that were I mean, doing it. Baseball season starts in April, so were you leaving a school in the middle of school, after school? I mean, uh, Chicago Cubs, they, you know, back in your day, 88 when, was when they got the lights. Well, actually, you were probably, you know, you're already there, but uh, a lot yeah. of 120 games. Yeah, so I could speak to that, y'all. So when I was a senior in high school, the second semester, Kayadua sometimes gave a little bit more of a free spirit attitude sure for those of us that made it to second semester so um, <laughs> there is a dig the bullies keep coming out <laughs> um, so I remember the, the Cubs were playing the Sox in an intramural game this is before the regular it was like an sure. exhibition season like the Jane Byrne the Windy, it was the Windy City Classic I think uh, is that what they called it I don't remember but but so they're playing the Cubs are playing the Sox in day game and we always were very loyal to go to I was part of Rabbi Eugene Shear at Lashon in, in the morning but Came in the afternoon and there was a day game like this. We were off to the ballpark. And not always did we get called out for it, but for whatever reason, that particular game, Rabbi Berman, who was on the, actually the, the video, for those that saw the Academy video that just came out, he was actually on I haven't seen his, I haven't seen him in quite a long time, decades. Anyhow, he, he was at the time, he took over for Rabbi Goldberg as like the person that would give out detention and stuff like that. So he said, uh, were you not here this afternoon? So... You know, what I did, it was a little chutzpah, whatever. So I took out the receipt. For those of you that are familiar with the old vending receipt. So I showed him, I think I made a hundred and a half. I said, Urban, a hundred and a half today, a Cubs Sox game. So said, oh, he was pretty impressed, I think. But he, he still gave me some kind of an attention. But that's okay. <laughs> it was it was fine. We, we didn't cut all the time because um, 
priority, like you said, in, in 1990. There was already a lot of night games, so we it wasn't that significant of a, but it did happen a few times. Do, sure. Dan, do you remember your like your biggest tip or any like crazy story? Yeah, that happened so to you? I could I could go there. So there was the NBA Finals, the Bulls and the Suns in 1993. Uh, Jordan scored 55 on a Sunday night. He made the shot against Barkley falling away. For those of you who remember that, Ryan Sandberg had just signed uh, a deal for the Cubs, the highest paid contract at the time. He bought a beer for me downstairs for the, for the stadium, the lower uh, the lower level. I did not give a tip, and he had just signed the richest contract in baseball history. And then Mike Harkavy, a right-hander for the Cubs, was was also down there. And he bought a beer for me, and he gave me a tip. So I spilled the beans. Maybe it was a little <laughs> lush and horror. But I said, you know, look at this. You're giving me this nice tip. And Rhino, he just signed this contract. He didn't give me a tip. So wow, that's you know. great. That's but funny. You, but you still couldn't get out of him. <laughs> I didn't go back there. I didn't Ryan Samrick, no. Were you one of the top vendors in your day? Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I have no qualm with being very affirmative and saying, absolutely. I've got great stories with um, Orange. Wait, so yes, absolutely, absolutely, you were the number one. I didn't say I was the number one, but I was... He was a top vendor. I, I have no problem saying I was a top vendor. Is it vendor. about speed, hitting like multiple sections? You know what? Or is it about being thorough, making sure you don't miss people in a row? Or is all, it... The way, what, what was your call? All like of that. You, I was also a little bit aggressive. I remember being at the old stadium, and I would think I would go up to everybody. One, hug and one, hug and And then the guy in the front row, he was a little ticked off of me. But um, you know what? The boomerang... front row uh, in Chicago Stadium? Was that, was that you, Josh? Or no? <laughs> yeah, just before Josh. <laughs> oh, okay. Before my time. Okay, just... Yeah. You know, I used to sell the ice cream belts at Cubs Park, so I would, in, in this case, come back to haunt me. So I, this is really mean of me now that I'm a parent for many years. So I would take the, it was like the first inning, and everybody would have to say, oh, we're going to wait till later in the game to to give our kids ice cream. Sure. So, Another move? Uh, yeah, so I would, well, I guess two things. Number, sometimes I would just open up the mouth of the old plastic wood, not plastic, the old wood flat spoon, and I would, like, put it in the kid's mouth. I mean, <laughs> what would happen to the kid? Allergies and whatever. It's like, And then the, the kid would, oh, this is so good, Mom, and they would buy it. But then I would have the fruma, and the fruma, sometimes they would, I would say, ice cream, it's kosher, and it was kosher. And they would say to me, but it's not Hall of Yisrael. And at the time, I was not experienced in the Hall of Yisrael department, and I would roll my eyes like, what are you worried about? And now, hello, dove or who? We have been a family that's been careful with Hall of Israel since we, you know, been parents. So it's funny how that sort of comes back to get you. Let me tell you that um, June 3rd, 1998, as a surprise, my wife arranged with uh, the vending crowd, Vince Pesha and other people in the, in the union, that I should be the guest vendor for the day. Okay. I was already retired from September of 94. So I was out of the game for four years. But June 3rd, actually, for those that remember, that was the month that Sammy Sosa broke the record for the most home I went to the game that month. Okay. I think at June 20th okay. when he broke the record. There you go. Kerry Wood, Wood happened to pitch that game on June 3rd. It was my birthday. I was the guest vendor. I didn't know about it until I woke up in the morning. I thought we were just going to go to the game. I actually bought two tickets. We're going to go to the game. Anyhow, so I was the guest. I was able to vend. So after a four-year um, hiatus, I came out there selling, I think I had Budweiser out of the third base commissary and it was just like riding a bike again so can, can, can just i just go, we go back yeah. so uh the gift from your wife was you to get should, a job you right. should go work i yeah. was thinking so, like so, uh, me, you have two tickets so you can sit and enjoy the let, game let, but okay. instead i could speak to that so back then you know was you're talking about the mid-90s so i stopped vending 94 sort of meet my wife the year later and there's still a lot of vending talk on our lips you know my the group that we were friendly with were many of them were vendors and we would talk about the stories that my brother was the vendor we, we would talk about these stories so she would hear these stories so it was not so unnatural that that was something so that she could sort of see it and that's how it shook down so i who were some of the other guys that you vended with well barisham of course my brother and then oren uh, the Gerstein boys were, were big vendors. And then there's a lot of people. Uh, I was just at a Sox game this past July. I'm in the right center field bleachers there, and I see Frank Belize. For those who know Frank Belize, and I, you know, he's a big hog and all that. It was just the Bulls game a couple weeks ago against Washington, and uh, Lee Cook, the guy with the big arms, oh, big <laughs> hug. And when I would go to games, don't forget, when I started working as an accountant, as you mentioned, we'd go to games all the time with, with people from work and clients and stuff like that. And the amount of times I get stopped by the vendors walking up and down was uncanny. And the people that were staying around me really didn't, you know, they couldn't process Like, how do I know everybody? It's like, well, well it's like a brotherhood. It's a brotherhood, yeah. Okay, so now let's get into it. Aces 20. Tell us about your basketball career. You know, well, hang on. First of all, how the license plate is, is a big one, right? Because everyone knows it, everyone's seen it. What, what 
was the inspiration to actually getting that license plate? So Aces 20 was a name of a play. Was the when you would isolate? It could be Aces Four. I think I forgot what number Sammy. I think it was forty. So that would be him. Sam was forty. Okay, yeah. so he would get the ball. Aces Twenty would be okay. Give it to me, and let's see what I could do with it. So it was a play call. clear out. Yeah, so clear. Was, your, your number was not twenty. No, it was twenty. It was. Okay. My senior year, my number was twenty. Okay. Before it was thirty-five. But then, uh, Coach Puck. I don't know if you guys want to talk about him. But yes, we do. Okay, so he brought in a lot of different changes. One of them was uh, uniforms. uniforms. Exactly. Yeah. So we went from the shirt look to like a... Uh, the tank top. Cotton tank yeah. top to a real like jersey tank top. Exactly. So I was 20, so Aces 20 was that. So at the I got my license a little bit later than other people. I forgot why, but whatever. I got it. At the time, you could pick a license plate, okay, and I picked Aces 20. I think that would have been approximately March of 2000... <laughs> Not exactly. March of 1990, and that plate, as you guys mentioned, is still on my car. It happens to be driven right now by my daughter-in-law, but it's still on the car. Of the more famous license plates in Chicago, probably I'd say, after I'd say, I'd after, after I get Levy, I think is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say it's in yeah. the top three for sure. Yeah, Mailmaker, Rainmaker, yeah. Mazel. Love Dafka, Love Dafka. Yeah, twenty is like a, how about, a legendary. How about FYPM? Never seen you guys. Don't never that. Okay, no. fine. Um, I know any nine H. I don't you know, know what that is. That's uh, Mr. Newman. Biology right? teacher, yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Ham so radio. were you a star from freshman year? So I want to speak to, you guys talked about um, a lunch ball. So my first, <laughs> my first connectivity. He's, he's been listening, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. It's, it's great. He's a big fan. Well, I, I, of course I'm listening. <laughs> um, you got to be prepared. That's like a deposition. My first connectivity with really the academy was when I was in eighth grade at Tara. This is, this is wild that I could remember this, but one thing I do well is memory, thank God, hopefully it stays well. When you have the school visiting sure. the, the the high school for like, you know, hey, show us around. So we were able to play lunch ball. Yes. We were lunch ball, okay? Now, this is wild. Now, for those who don't know, lunch ball is just, you There's a you have a lunch period, and then the gym is open and available for basketball. So people used to you know, play pickup ball. Exactly. So, Thank you, Yoel. Well, many people. I was. I was actually asked, "What is the lunch ball?" <laughs> Were you really? <laughs> well, one person. <laughs> but, uh, and he confirmed. And he's like, "Wait, this lunch, what I think it he's is." Like, well, yeah, right. he's like, "What's lunch yeah. ball?" I'm like, "Yeah, you play basketball in the gym." He's like, "Yeah, that's what I thought." So, I can tell you but, one thing: yeah, that, the, the girls did not like lunch ball because after lunch ball, we would come in quite sweaty yeah. to the next period. But that's for a different story. Um, so I'm in eighth grade, and we're playing lunch ball, and none other than Yigal Latovsky, you know who. Hopefully you guys know Legal. He state leading scorer, great athlete. He's our next guest. We're working on it. <laughs> okay, number forty four. Everybody talks about jersey retired. As far as I know, he's the only one who's had his jersey retired. I don't know if it got back put in use. Whatever. Yigal, I'm at the top of the circle on defense, and somehow I don't remember if I made the steal or the ball came to me, whatever it was, and I got out of the open court at center court, and I dribbled down. Yigal chased me, and I made the layup, and Yigal I think went for the block, but he didn't get it. So that was my first connectivity to the aces and then from there um did he make a comment to you no i no. mean you go and i we sort of knew each other because he's friendly with my brother and we saw him in um sports it wasn't like we were strangers but there was no comment i'm, I'm not saying that i sure. won up you i'm just saying that was kind That's of ironic it, by the way okay <laughs> no, it's fine so that was my first connection to the academy and then four years as the captain so you, you, you started freshman year on the jv yeah yeah i didn't play varsity yeah. <laughs> Until junior year. Sure. Okay. Freshman year and junior year, there was another guy that was good who was a sophomore and a senior, respectively, David Neymon. Sure. So he was, you know, a shooter or a peppy point guard kind of a guy. Yes. And then a funny shot. Funny shot yes. would go in. And then sophomore year, okay. Sammy grew from, you know, a regular tall guy to a super tall guy. And he got a lot of attention. He got a lot of baskets and um, he was great. And then senior year was probably my best year, like I said. And um, but again, that was being complimented by Renan, well, and the rest together. of the guys, and and Peckler you know, came your your junior year. Your no, so year. Peckler came at the end of my junior year. You know, Barry Mendelsberg was a very fine human being, a great person, not a bad bone in his body. For whatever reason, the Barry Mendelsberg era sort of ran its course, and there was some new administration coming in. I think Rabbi Well was sort of there a transition. Ray Myers was coming in. I had, I mean, honesty compels me to report that as a sophomore, I played for Peckler and the Maccabi games here in Chicago, and I got pretty close with him, and he and I took to each other quite a bit. You know, I'm not going to say that I uh, 
was the one that hired Peckler because that wouldn't be accurate because that was, you know, 16-year-old kid at the time, 17-year-old person. But I definitely had some connectivity there with Peckler. That would definitely be a true statement. Okay, and then your senior year, you guys go on somewhat of a big run, you know, even to state. Okay. Well, I mean, when you say state, I mean, we always were in the state tournament, but usually it will be one and out. Yeah. Okay, I, 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 okay well, I'll, I'll turn it over to Yoel because yes, Yoel like was at every this, game and remembers like to, every single no, point. No, not a, I would like to speak on the subject, though. Although the f- interesting thing was the first time I went to an academy game that wasn't against the Ashiva, I was surprised that they weren't charging a dollar to get in. And little did I know that the Aces actually never really charged to get in. It was just – or maybe it was uh, – was, was, was it the Aces they used to charge or Skokie didn't? I think they would alternate. But when Peckler came, he made sure to charge. He felt that was the, yes, that the was product the more valuable. To pay for John Butler? Uh, could be, or to pay for um, other swag, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, um, but but they used to play really good teams in the tournament, and there was no such thing as winning a game in the tournament. We used to play St. Gregory and St. Benedict, much larger schools and schools that whose front lines were like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And nowadays, like, you have, like, a second round uh, against, like, Skokie Shiva. So, like, right. there are four the rounds teams, before you even get right, to. Into these right. Good, but the, back in the day, it's like you had to qualify to make the state. And then when you play there, you, you play a team that normally was is the best team you played all season. So, you know, it was unheard of ever to win a state game. I think part of that was there was a restructuring in the IHSA of the different classes, right? So back then, I think there might have been only one or two classes. There's, there was two. City, yeah. and then there was, like, downstate. Now there's something like five different classes. There's a like class school A, size, and double A, or private, public. Right. Yeah, I think. I mean, Yo, I think you hit the nail on the head. Not that we wouldn't take anything away from any Aces team or any other team that won a game. You you play who you play, but if you're leading up to uh, what I hope you're leading up to, the the win by our team. Uh, February twentieth, nineteen ninety, was it was special <laughs> for what you just described. Yes. Okay, and so who was that against, and what happened? Yeah, so it was against the Wakanda Bulldogs. Right. Uh, it was on a Tuesday night at St. Benedict Gym over there on Everton Park in uh, Bell. Uh, every time we pass by, we have to say a special prayer. No, anyway, so... Um, Getting into the game, did you, was there any expectation that, that you guys could potentially beat Wakanda? Yeah, oh, for sure. It was, I think... It was a winnable game. game. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, this wasn't like this guys, wasn't like King or no. Sinan. It was not okay. King. No, we weren't playing against Ben Wilson on the show. No, yeah. it was not that at all. What are the Twin Towers? Who played for? Uh, was it Lenny, Lonnie Cox or? Yeah, or, it yeah. was that like that Lowell Hamilton. And yes, right. it was, it was yeah. not that. Okay. No, no. I, I don't want to. Listen, I, I want to stick to the reality of the the facts Jamie, here. Jamie Brandon. Jamie Brandon. Jamie Brandon. I think was my age. So the reality is that no, I think going into it, it was definitely a game that we thought we should win. It was a winnable game. But to your point, you know, it's not like we're familiar with this opponent. And we were winning throughout the game. Fourth quarter, Sammy had a foul trouble. So we went to the stall offense, which I'm not a big fan of. Twins? I scored. Did you yeah, I scored twins? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I scored 25 of the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, because Sammy went out, we go to the stall. And um, next thing you know, they come back. And lo and behold, we're down. Um, three points with uh, nine seconds to go or something. So and then at that point, it's like, okay, well, we all wanted to have as a goal to win a darn game in the in the tournament, right? And so it came, they, they, they just scored putting putting them, them up three with nine seconds well, to throughout, go? Well, th- throughout the fourth quarter, they were making... But there was nine seconds to go, and, and did you guys have the ball and call a timeout? Yeah, after some turnovers that they made. and Can you tell us what happened in that timeout? Sure, I could tell you happened the timeout. Thank you. I could tell you everything about that night. So the play was a play call for me to go run the baseline and get the ball in the corner off of the inbounds pass from David Kushner. But the other team, frankly, they knew. I mean, I had already scored, like I said, at 25 at that point, 26 points in the game. They knew they were going to cover me. I mean, it wasn't I – mean, it was throwing it from half court. It wasn't going to be an easy pass. Wait, so, so Danny, you had a you had 25 points in the first three quarters, and you're only up to 26. So in the fourth I, quarter, you had pretty quiet I had one quarter. free throw. As I mentioned, it was this was stall it? business, and right. we weren't uh-huh. going at the basket. So you missed a free throw, at least. I made one out of two, yes. right? I missed okay. one. That's right. It was not a one-shot yes. foul for a right. rebound that happened the other day in the Bulls game. I was thinking. Right. He's, so, he's, he's bullying you. Don't just don't, don't, don't let okay. it bother you. Oh, I'm just clarifying. That's fine. So he couldn't pass to me, so he had to pass to our, one of our neighbors here in the neighborhood, Nachum Wax, who takes the shot. Actually, he passed it to Well. Well passed it to Wax. Wax takes the shot. Thank God 
Sarah gets the rebound and he passes it back to me. And then there was some controversy that has been. Well, tell us what to, happened first, and then we could talk about the controversy. Well, it was, I'm probably overdoing. It. I don't think maybe it's controversy in some people's minds. So, could be underdoing. It's like it. the immaculate reception. <laughs> like, like everyone like talks about. R.I.P. Like, oh, Franco Harris. Franco yes. Harris just passed. Hopefully, that's not going to happen to me. So, right. Sarah gets the rebound and he passes it back to me, and I knew at that point. And he, where were you standing? I was standing on the left baseline. How much time was left? Okay, so in my mind, there's, you know, 0.1 seconds left. But frankly, it was probably about two and a half seconds, maybe three seconds left. But at that point, it was a matter of getting behind the three-point line and shooting a three-pointer and making the tie so we could go into overtime. And that's what happened. Um, It's what I call a – normally when you go to catch a ball in basketball, you're taught to have a jump Jump stop toward the ball. In this case here – I call that a reverse jump stop, where instead of catching the ball, going to the ball, I sort of reversed my going in reverse, and I caught it, shot it, and I could tell you... Well, uh, Harden does that all the time. Yeah. Man, so you're, I could tell you good. the next morning, uh, for those of you that Wait, remember... you're like, I'm on a cliffhanger here. So you caught it, shot it, and what? And He made it. He in, in my mind, in my mind... <laughs> I know he made it, but I want the <laughs> listeners to know that he so made it. The listeners are at the edge of their seats. <laughs> so the, the pull over I, your car. I shoot it, and, find the, a... and the second I shot it, I thought for a second, boy, this is going wide right. And the next thing I know, it goes through. So in my mind, I say, you know what? It was an angel that put the ball in. He wanted to know something the next morning. Rabbi Eugen comes to me, and he says, oh, Daniel, uh, the coach, Peckler, he was describing the last play. It made it sound like there was an angel that put the ball through the basket. Like, wow, did he really say that? <laughs> so um, that was pretty special. And, and you know, that was... Um, and this is the end of regulation? Moment. End of regulation. And then you guys ended up winning. And then it, it became and... a triple overtime game, and we wow. won 93-87. And I'm assuming everybody knows there's great film of it. And uh, it's a <laughs> great film that you share on the anniversary every single year. Well, correct? I only had the opportunity this past shared. year because of this chat that I was invited to recently. <laughs> but yes, that's true. It should be shared. Well, so when did Oren make his uh, driving layup? So that was in the third overtime. So really, he is maybe the hero of the game. You know, if you consider um, four points a hero versus 35, <laughs> that's, that's a sort of math problem. But he, he definitely um, took the ball on the right elbow. And I think it was sort of like, well, what do I do now? And next thing you know, he put the ball down. It went the long stride. He fired it off the glass. It didn't shatter, and it went through the hoop. Well, to be fair, you know, Pax in Game Six, ninety three. How many points did he have? No, no one remembers we're, that. We're, we're not taking anything away from anybody. It was a great it moment. Was, I think it was uh, Kerr, by the way. Game three. Uh, 93? Game six, ninety three. Ninety three was Pax. Ninety three was Pax. Yeah, you're right. My my bad. We're and we're not we're not cutting that. Yes, it's cut. Executive producer. Okay, so you're you're a hero and you're a legend. Aces twenty. Tell me a little bit about the impact that Gary Peckler had on your life and maybe just a small background on who he was because sure. he had a big career before he came to ID Crown, I believe. Yeah. So he, he, uh, he did have a great coaching career, a lot of different places. He coached Mark Aguirre, um, before Mark Aguirre switched from one high school to another, he coached a lot of other players as well. Um, like I said, I met him initially as the coach of Maccabi in 1988. Uh, I had to fight to get a spot on the team and, uh, it's a good story from my perspective is that I got a spot on the team. I think I was the last guy on the team of 12, and then I ended up playing um, a very pivotal role for the, the Chicago team, and that was really special. I, I earned his trust, he earned my trust and all that, and um, you know, that was not, for example, playing with guys from the neighborhood. That was guys from Highland Park, Deerfield, Lincoln Park, and stuff like that. So that was um, my first entry point with him. And then the next year, I was a bad cutoff with Maccabi. I couldn't play, but actually was his assistant coach, he got really peeved with me once when I suggested something. He said, read the program. I'm like, what does that mean, read the program? And then I realized it's like he was trying to say he's the coach and he makes the decisions and I shouldn't be giving him ideas. <laughs> in any event, so then he comes to the academy in 90 and uh, absolutely he made um, – he brought a certain, obviously, freshness, first class, uh, a lot of history um, to the program. You know, he, he was outside of the community, so certain challenges did come up where he wasn't necessarily familiar with – some of the things that uh, our guys sort of stood for. But, you know, he learned. Uh, he was very nice to me. He would give me Bulls tickets. I, I went, uh, I think, once with his daughter to a Bulls jazz game in the old stadium. I really felt like I was his representative on the floor with what he wanted and envisioned, you know, how the game should be played for, for the Aces. And I felt like I was a very strong representative of him. So after Ida Crown, you know, most of the, by then, most of the, of the students were heading off to Israel to Yeshiva or some other program. You decided to stay local. 
Talk us through that decision. I look back at my life, and there's a couple of things maybe I would do differently. One was the the summer experience where I shouldn't have been such a homebody. I should have done more things. And then with this, I just felt the need that I wanted to start my career as soon as possible. I felt like I was sort of done with um, the structured studies and schooling, and I wanted to get right into college so that I could go work and sort of establish myself with, with, a, with a profession. You know, looking back at it, uh, was that one year so critical? Uh, I mean, again, like I said, I probably would do it differently right now because I see the how people gain. Although, on the other hand, I could say I could get distracted pretty easily. So if I, I know that a lot of people go to Israel and they, they have a wandering eye and they get distracted, so who knows? So you went to Circle. Well, I called it UIC. I was always for some reason like offended when people called it Circle. I don't know why, but I know that I think UIC just sounded more official to me. Circle, Circle was like more of like an older yeah, name. Yeah. So I went to UIC for the four years and I uh, majored in accounting uh, starting in sophomore year. Interviewed for a job in junior year. Was offered the job at the beginning of my senior year. So that's uh, how that shook down. So you had your senior year basically knowing you were working right when you graduated? Yeah, that's right. Great. And that's and, how it was typical for accounting majors. And that was where? At Altschuler? Huh, that's a pretty good story. Yeah, that was at Altschuler, Melvoin and Glasser. So that was uh, my opening line to the um, recruiter at one of the job fairs. I said, hey, my name is Altschuler. I'd be perfect for Altschuler, Melvoin and Glasser. And then people would say, were oh, you related? I would say, not to Altschuler, but to Melvoin. And people were like, really? And like, no. So, <laughs> but it was, uh, boy, did I use that quite a bit. Okay. And so shortly after high school, you find your wife and get married or was well she, you met her in high school no, no, or no, no, afterwards no, no. after college after college yeah i was working i uh, was starting my second year at what we call it am and g and she moved here from texas mm. uh looking for a bigger jewish community and uh lo and behold she's working um as a tax accountant on the 26th floor of 30 south wacker so um there's a guy in the community you guys probably know paul pinka so he's like I'm the train with me. It's like, this is a new girl. I think I'll introduce you to her. I said, well, I don't need you to interest me to her. I could walk over there myself. No, I should. Okay, so fine. So he claims that when he introduces me to her, that there was these stars and it was like love at first sight. Meanwhile, she had like lipstick on her teeth and she thought I was this like 35-year-old guy with kids. So I don't know what Paul was thinking, but that's how the story shakes down. If I'm to understand correctly, you're a huge sport. You're known as a huge sports guy. Huge sports fan, right? For at least in the for time. For better or for worse, yeah, sure. In the time, okay. Yeah. And then, so how do you decide to get married on Super Bowl Sunday and have all your friends miss the game? So Ouch. the the um, you should know that whilst I am a big sports guy, I'm very partial to the Chicago teams. It's like I'm not one of these guys. Oh, I'm going to go to a uh, Colts Titans game in uh, you know in Nashville. It's going to be great. It's like that's not me. It's like I like going to Soldier Field. I'm in three and a half hours back home. And that's what I like to do, go to the United States. I'm not one of these guys. So I'm, I'm partial to Chicago. So to answer your question, once I knew the Bears were eliminated in the 1996 campaign, uh, it was okay. And that's how it shook down. You actually just gave me another memory. It was in 1986 when Hillator had a Chicago Bears rally. And it was, I guess, headed by the eighth graders. And all, actually, the only my only memory is uh, is Danny on one of those benches in the Hillatora gym, like uh, leading the chair for the Chicago Bears in 1986. Okay, so obviously, he's always been a Bears fan. So. Oh yeah, Bears have always been uh, my thing. I don't remember that, but it sounds plausible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Danny, so you went to Hillatora Ida Crown, and uh, now you've become a significant member of the uh, Lubavitch community here in Chicago. Um, tell us about that transition. My wife became observant via the Chabad house in Austin, Texas. And that was her... Was her father the like Chabad rabbi? No, her family was not from the Orthodox department. But she you know, she was dating a guy, and uh, the guy was into Judaism and, and UT. That's where uh, the action was, was at the Chabad of Austin on Guadalupe Drive, for any of you that's been in Austin. And uh, that's where she got indoctrinated with the rabbits in there. And um, she came here, and it was sort of like, okay, well, what are we going to do? So she was Chabad when she came here. Right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, Danny, it's well known that you are a great-great-grandson of uh, Avram Shmuel Brady, the rub of the Mariampler Shoal in the late 19th century and early 20th century well here done. in Chicago, now known as Anshi Shalom B'nai Israel. 
you know, he came from uh, a very Lithuanian Misnagdish background. So how do you square that heritage with your, the current iteration of the Alcho family being uh, prominent members of Chabad? Jordan, let me tell you the following, <laughs> that when I dug up my roots paper from the academy right, in it might have been the late Rabbi Tarshish, I was shocked to see what I wrote about the aforementioned Rabbi Avraham Shmuel And again, in 1988, I did not know from these terms, Bisnagdim and Chassidim, believe me, I did not know from those terms. I wrote in the paper that he was, a, a mis, I, I think I even wrote the word, he was Bisnagdim and Chassid. And I'm like reading this now, and I'm like, so I sort of have your reaction. But upon further research, and there's a lot of research out there, by the way, I, I echo Yol's comment when he says, well known, I mean, I, I'm enamored that you are into this because for every thousand people, maybe there's one or two, you, Scott Rosenzweig, myself, I don't know if you know Scott. So these are people that would like, appreciate this stuff. So sorry. Not our listeners, it'll but be, It'll be reflected bad. in the analytics. I was just thinking, don't worry. <laughs> too bad. But I, just wanna, the, I want to make this point. My I personal pre- interest. The major thing I appreciated was the fact that he said roots and not roots. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. That's good. Very Chicago. So, I, I want his roots paper. So Rabbi Shambardi, I think the story goes that he on Rosh Chodesh Siv in 1907 he choked on a chicken bone. I think in in the and he died as a like a 62 year old young relative young person. In any event, when you read the write up about what happened, the whole town shut down for the funeral. This is Chicago, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the legions of of camps that came included what was back then a couple different Chabad groups that were in Chicago. So. To answer your question, he was beloved by the whole town based on the reports that I've seen. So I think he'd be quite fine with uh, what he sees with his. I'm a great, great grandson of him, and I think he'd be quite, quite so pleased. When you got married, it was you just you kind of transitioned to Lubavitch at that time, or was it a slower progression? Yes, and yes, I guess. Um, I think it's the, the trademark of of identifying as I think most people would agree would be where you send your kids to school. So all of our kids have gone through the Chabad uh, day schools and then high schools, masiftas and seminaries. Was the Rebbe's letter, letter read at your, at your chuppah? Ovada. Okay. I mean, he's, he, I mean any Chabad event. That's what I was asking. Have, okay. So you're already yeah. Chabad already from the time that when, when you got married. The, the late Rabbi Daniel Moskowitz was the Masada Kedusha. Very nice. At, at the wedding. Absolutely. Yeah. Danny, since it's your father's yard site tonight, you want to maybe say a few words about the kind of person he was? So one of the good things about the uh, film on the uh, Aces game that we talked about against Wakanda is that after I made the shot, the person that did the camera actually pans to the uh, crowd to the right, and I could see my father for a couple seconds every time I watch. I mean, every time I watch, I don't watch it as much as maybe people think I watch it. You could but say. But when I, when I watch it, I... I'd watch it daily. Okay. <laughs> when yeah. I watch it, I, I, I see him. And, and he and my father came to all the games, um, both mine and my brother would play too. Uh, I, I had one game against Cathedral, I think, as a sophomore. I scored all of two points in the game, one basket. It was my lowest scoring game. And after the game, he comes up, well, well, that was a great shot kind of a thing. You know, it was like, you were talking about that shot. I didn't talk about the, the misses. So, you know, I, I didn't always do the greatest shot of unconditional love. But in that case, that was some nice unconditional love that he showed me uh, in that case. And, you know, we did a lot. I mean, the first, up until I got married, I I had stories and stories and stories. I mean, games going, going to games with him, endless, endless amount of games we would go to together and davening and shul together. So, you know, that was um, great, uh, great connectivity in that regard. Not everybody has that. Some people have more, some people have less, but I'm thankful for what I had. And just as an aside, you, your, your basketball career is not over, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I played this morning uh, at uh, 530 at Highland Park. I played Tuesday night in Morning Grove against Doctor's Orders. Uh, two hour again. Monday morning, I played in Highland Park. Uh, two hours, so no, I, I full I, court. This is full court. Yeah, yeah. I've taken it up again. I don't enjoy late um, weightlifting. I don't enjoy treadmill. I don't, and I, it's fine. Everybody's got to do what they're going to do. I just don't enjoy that. But uh, I, I took off a long time. I want to just tell you, I took off a long time from playing because I was used to sort of being a primary kind of player and being able to do certain things out there. What happened was, though, I would say about. 12, 13 years ago, so when I started hit like maybe late 30s, 40, I, I found myself really struggling out there. You know, you had a whole new wave of people coming. I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, and it really disturbed me to sort of like just be this ornament out there. So I sort of stopped. But what I realized, I think my friend Gerald Cost, I think people that sort of got me into it again, 
that if you could find a group that you're playing with that's somewhat of a similar level to you, the experience could come back and you could really enjoy it. And that's what I found with these different games. I, that's, so you're so playing I, with like other people uh, around uh, your age, generally? You know, this game Tuesday night was guys of 20s and 30s. I was the oldest guy out there. But you in were, general, though, it's not like I am playing with guys that are uh, all the nine guys on the floor are clearly better than me kind of a thing. Because I don't think I would really enjoy that. Because uh-huh. I know that if I could play against some similar competition, I could still do some good things out there, which I enjoy. It's like Jordan on the Wizards, pretty much. <laughs> I, don't know about that. I mean, what's funny is the way you look at it. I mean, I remember like in high school, pickup games we play, and they'd be like, I mean, I played with Danny several times, even when I was in high school, and he was like 23, 24. And we look at these guys like they're older and they're slower, and they were like 23, 24. You know, I don't want to, right. you know, but now all of a sudden you got guys who are playing in their 40s and 50s. Like you can't even dream of like how old they were, but like they're able to keep up. So think about yeah, it. It's all, you know, you know, the way you look at it. You think know? about Joey Richter, Norm List, those guys, the late Ben C and All Swing. I mean, those sure. guys were legends. Yeah. They played, uh, a lot older than me. Yo, I, I want to just say this. You know, I, I, did, I didn't get prepped with anything here, but sure. I did come with a couple things here. So oh, I, I was thinking that maybe you guys are going to ask me if I wanted to give uh, – it's been a lot of basketball-centric. I mean, we could talk about whatever you want. But just, just before – I don't know how long, much longer you're going to want to talk here, but I wanted to just share with you who I thought the top um, Aces players were during my Kufa of, sure. let's say, the mid-'80s to right before you. Because, frankly, I don't know that I remember – Following the ace as much when you were playing. Y'all will sit here for hours to hear about this. <laughs> but sure, I, 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 would. I, I won't belabor too much. So, And then I also want to speak to maybe the top ABL players in the 2000s because you didn't touch on that, but that was a very important part of my... What about s- softball? I could t- we, the night is young. Well, <laughs> this might not be your only interview with us. You might have to come back. I actually have two Danny stories. One is a softball related, and one is a basketball. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say them after. I, I just want to say for the the aces, I was thinking about it coming here today. So I, you got to go with, in my opinion, you got to go with Yigal and Jason Gorenstein as the, your guards from again the like the mid '80s to the early '90s, maybe. I would agree. And then I would go with Sammy as the center. And I would go with uh, David Well as a forward. Never Pick, saw him play. You guys know David? No, he has. I've never seen him okay. play. Okay. And then the fifth spot, I'll you know leave You'll it up. Take to, it. To, yeah. No, I'll leave it up to the audience <laughs> to decide. It. And then as far as the ABL goes, I'll go with Yoel. I got a good Yoel story if you want to hear it. And then we'll go with um, uh, David Hartman, Mitchell Korob, if you remember Mitchell Korob. And then as far as we got to give some ploy to the Rabbonim, uh, Rabbi Robinson is fantastic. Rabbi Yerchmiel Pickles is fantastic. So those are some players. There's a so lot of other guys. If I could just interject here. So what I'm hearing is Yoel is like a, a excellent G League player. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, I, I want to tell you a story. So in 2005, <laughs> we were playing. Yoel's team was coached by uh, Elon McGensey in a playoff game in the ABL. Okay. A lot of anticipation. Okay. I was playing well. Yoel was always playing well. First play of the game, Yoel makes one from real distance. And then we get the ball. I dribble down. I do a little between the legs, behind the back, two dribble left, swisheroo. I pat the referee and the bat behind the shot. And the crowd, whoever the crowd is, in my mind, it was like being at the UC. And it was as loud as could be. Okay. The rest of the half, it's all Yoel. It was probably the greatest first half of any ABL play. I don't know if you remember the game or not. Uh, you probably had about He does. He points. absolutely remembers every okay. play. I'm, so I, yeah, I might remember it. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, mean, I hope for your sake you do. What, what year was this? It was, two, uh, it was approximately May of 2005, okay? So we were in the finals the prior year. I made five threes against Nahi's team in the second half, but his team prevailed. Okay, it's still a sad moment for me. Good job, Nahi Shabbat. Um, <laughs> so getting back to this ball game. So in the second half, my team inches back because you guys were really ahead in the first half. We inch- I did not have a strong guy. My brother Elon had Elon is known as a poor coach. <laughs> So I want to tell you something. The second half comes really competitive. I mean, this was a competitive game, okay? Domsky goes up for a rebound. The dirtiest play I've ever seen in my falling basketball, Elon shoves him to the floor, okay? And Domsky falls to the floor with a big bang, okay? And I went ballistic. I said to the ref, that's the dirtiest play. You got to kick his out of the game. And to this day, I think Domsky still walked crooked because of that. <laughs> and he could barely, you know, do any because I think we put him on you in the second half. You know, he's six four. It's long. not always easy to go against him. So, meanwhile, you guys won by a couple points. But I hold that if you wouldn't have done that, we could have won. That. Oh, yeah. Wow, I, that's a great story. <laughs> I, I have a good Danny story actually. It was in the alumni game my senior year, and I was wearing uh, Aces twenty. So in honor of Danny. Uh, <laughs> in honor of Danny for sure. Um, Should have been retired. 
Oh, yes. Oh, well, that's, that's so it was halftime. And um, I think in the beginning of the halftime, I think I had 16 in the first half. Then I'm sitting on the bench. You know, guys are shooting around, warming up for the second half. And Danny walks over and he sits down and says, we should really get a plan to retire this Aces 20 jersey. So that was that was my Danny story. So <laughs> he, already, he already had, you know, he's planting the seeds to uh, retire it. But here's my softball story because Danny was an extraordinary softball player and can hit for power. Still and, is. Well, yes. I've retired. I, I, think you, I think the last game you played in was subbing for my team. You remember you took a yes, shot to a certain area and we had Park. to walk up the field. I Laramie was night game. Yeah, that was that was I, it. I think I wouldn't say I was a great softball player. I had great. I think you were great. I no, had yeah. great success. I had some great moments, but I, I, for whatever reason, even though I'm a bigger guy and I would swing hard, I couldn't get the lift and the 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 distance on my hits. I don't know why it was, but I, I just couldn't. But you'd I'll, always get on base, though. I get on base, but I couldn't drive the ball like you guys could do it. You know, look at Yoni Saffers and look at you going the right field and distance. Uh, so speaking of right field, so in my youth, I used to just always leave my house and just watch other people play sports. So I used to sometimes watch the the Ida Crown intramural games. Uh, this what, is before back, you were in Ida Crown. Before I was in Ida yeah. Crown. Uh, so Danny, uh, was, the year was 1990, so I, I would have been uh, 12 years old at the time. And he was playing. Did you play Rogers? Were you? Did you guys uh, have, have like orange stirrups? Was your team? Were you ever wearing orange? Uh, I believe the Kroll Crushers did have orange. some orange. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so someone left. They were short a guy, and I'm I'm just sitting around watching the game. Like, hey kid, you want to like play? And I was like seventh grade. I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be great. Like, okay, just go play right field. And uh, Danny gets up, and of course, you know, uh, sees a, a seventh grader in right field, and of course, he, you know, he aims for right field and just hits a towering shot to right field. And of course, I have no idea how to field a towering <laughs> fly ball, and I use that, and it goes over my head. And Danny hit a homer, took, wow. advantage, took advantage of a wow. seventh grader. I, I guess I could go out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> JCC field, That's great. He went right towards Sacramento. Well, Danny, it's been a lot of fun. We really appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, and please come back, by the way. We're, we're not, we're not, there's a lot more to get into, I think. There is a lot more to get into. So we thank him, everyone. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we look forward to the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.